0: Time to smash it up on a Monday night alongside Ira Shofell, the managing editor of warchant.com. My name is Tom Lang. And cheers, everybody. I brought a little wine to the cheers. party tonight, Ira. There
1: we go. I like it.
0: Yeah. I like well, it. it. Feeling a little bit of uh, some Carolina influence. Just anytime the basketball team has some success, you feel that tobacco road kind of waft on down. So. I figured a little red wine wouldn't be a bad idea. We'll get mostly to football tonight, everybody. But Ira, I mean, we got to talk about a good week for the Knowles basketball team. And Darren Green had a hell of a week. And the Knowles got a big win, the most legitimate win of the season, on the road to Pitt. Not bad.
1: Yeah, not bad at all. Uh, I, You know, look, I mean, we know through the years, even when Florida State's been really good, they've had a hard time winning up there. That's a tough place to play. For whatever reason, Florida State has just never seemed to play all that well up there. And uh, so you go into this game thinking, well, okay, this is a team that's not all that good. And this is a solid pit team. Pitt was not good last year, but they've had a really good start to this year. And they've got a veteran team. And then they get out to a fast start. And like everybody, I was just thinking, okay, this is going to be an ugly one. And uh, man, it was not at all. They played from about, I don't know, four or five minutes. Leonard had to call a timeout to stop the bleeding. He was trying to get to the uh, under-16 timeout. I think they're down 15-5, to and uh, he finally called the timeout to stop the bleeding. They did that. And then, really, the rest of the game, other than a a portion of the second half, Florida State really dominated the action. It was impressive. Again, to go on the road and do that was really cool.
0: Yeah, that that stretch in the second half where Pitt kind of reclaimed the lead, the building's going nuts. You're thinking, well, that was a good run. Good job, guys, because (laughs) – Our bar is so low, you know, eh, they they won't finish the job. But you know what? Way to show out there and uh, not embarrass yourselves or anything like that. And instead, it turns out to be a moment that they pull away again. And then they close it out with an interesting charge call underneath at 68-64. That was after the Mills turnover. And they hit the free throws down the stretch. So it sets up a big game tomorrow. Miami comes to town. Florida State looking for 10 straight wins. Over the Hurricanes, aka the Platinum Bohica, over in JCSVille on Warchant TV, uh, Ira. Before we uh, pivot over, percentage chance the Knolls score the upset tomorrow night at home.
1: Uh, I'm gonna. I'll be honest with you, man. I think it's probably over fifty percent right now. Oh, okay. I, I do because you know Miami's had a great year, but they've lost <laughs> to that too. Um, they've lost two of their last three games, I believe, um, and now it's the good opponents. But it's still, it's not like they're, you know, it's not like they're riding some huge wave of success. And they have lost nine straight games uh, to Florida State. M- Leonard Hamilton, we spoke to him this morning. We'll have a st- story up on the site, uh, either later tonight or in the morning, previewing that game. But Leonard Hamilton said, you know, look, this is going to be our biggest challenge of the season, not only because Miami's good, but because they realize." I mean, he I was surprised he actually said this. Nobody asked him about it. He offered this up. He's like, they know that we beat them nine straight times. You know that's so. The, you know they're they're well aware of that. Nobody wants to get beat ten straight times by a rival. It's just crazy to even say that. Yeah. Um, you know this isn't this isn't one of the bad Clemson teams or I mean this is you know Miami's been a good basketball team under Jim Larangera and Florida State has owned them now. A lot of the wins have been really close, one point games, two point games. The games last year were close. Uh, Florida State, you know, I don't think they're gonna. Cruise in this game, but I like Florida State's chances, I think they've been a different team with Bob and Miller and uh, getting to come back home. I I just think, I think they've got a pretty good chance of winning this game.
0: Yeah. The one player, I think that would translate across the good run of uh, the Hamilton 2.0 experience. Darren Green could have played for any one of those teams. I mean, that is uh, entering last week, entering the the run he had against Notre Dame and Miami shooting over 40% from three. And he only added to that in these two games. Well,
1: And the one thing about him, and we always, we all knew he was a good shooter. Uh, he had showed that at UCF. He showed it against Florida State uh, in a game at one point. But I didn't know he was like an assassin. <laughs> like in that game, there were several times where I mean, you know, Pitts making a run or Pitts got it back to one point or two points or whatever, and dude had no conscience. Um, yeah. That's that's different. You know, that's not just being a shooter. It's right. It's it's being a different kind of guy. And that doesn't mean he's always going to make them, but but wanting to take them is yep. uh is pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, it's one thing to be open on a kickout and the whole building right. goes, oh, no. It's another to make some of these contested looks or even some of the mid-range shots that he makes. Like, yeah. A variety of what he does is is really impressive. We pivot to something that we placed. I found this on social media over the weekend, and I, I was uh, interested and wanted to see what the Knowles thought of it. A tweet emerged tagging uh, athletic director Michael Alford from somebody at the Irish consulate in Miami saying hopefully the Seminoles make their way over to... Uh, ireland at some point to play any sport uh ira if the knolls announced sometime in you know the not so distant future that they're playing notre dame or boston college or somebody in dublin is it for you sign me up or oh man that seems like an awful lot
1: uh, oh dude so- come on first of all my mom was a uh, first generation american her her parents were from ireland um, and they came over and I guess well, probably around the time of the famine, honestly, um, or her great parents and great grandparents, but, um, she, uh, uh, you know, I mean, my mom was, I mean, I mean, I was, I was born to a family that was mixed. My mom was Irish Catholic. My dad was Jewish. Um, so, uh, you know, we had mixed messages in the, in the Chauvel house, but, uh, but my mom's passion for Ireland was so strong. So yeah man that would be a dream come true. And I think most FSU fans, I mean, I've seen the the reactions from people on social media and I think every school that's made that trip this has been kind of something that uh, you know Ireland has has done in conjunction with Notre Dame but other teams have gone as well and uh it seems like it's been a it's been a successful venture because it's obviously been a successful venture because it's happened repeatedly now and uh it would be awesome if Florida State's in the mix for that. I, I don't know if that's strictly a School decision or a conference decision or TV decision, probably all of the above. Uh, but man, that would be awesome. I know you. I'm sure you'd be fired up about oh, it as well.
0: Hell yeah! I mean, yeah. Where, where do I sign? Uh, Mark is <laughs> right. concerned about the home game. What if it was Boston College's home game, Mark? Or what if it was Notre Dame's home right. game? Uh, I, you know, I am usually the guy as a citizen of Tallahassee for a long time now to pound my chest and say, "Stop moving games out of Tallahassee." <laughs> but for Dublin, <laughs> but for Dublin,
1: yeah. Yeah, I will say this. I mean, there. When you look at Florida State's future scheduling, you know there's Florida State's got some challenging schedules. You know, you know you got these home and homes with Alabama and Georgia. You got the neutral side games with LSU. You got Notre Dame in there frequently. Um, so you don't want to give away too many home games. I get the point. And and then there also there's the you know the impact on the economy and the home schedule and there's all those reasons. But this ain't moving it to Tampa. No. This ain't moving it to Jacksonville. No, sir. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I'm sign me up for sure.
0: Oh, the enthusiasm is crazy. Yeah, my uh, my mother's parents met at a dinner party. You know, and those things were in the light of day because of how conservative everything was in those days. Irish Catholics, but one came down from Boston to New York. They met. He worked on the old subway system. I mean, like mm-hmm. Ireland is very much right. they were first generation off the boat. it uh, one in Ellis Island, one in Boston.
1: But yeah, you know what's interesting? My I, not that we're going to get into uh, Irish uh, hi- history here. Uh, it turns out through the uh, genealogy sites that my mom's grandfather father grandfather, whoever it was that came over, um, came through Canada, which mm. I didn't realize that that was very common. I didn't realize that until I was reading up through the genealogy site. But anyway, kind of interesting.
0: All the more reason. It's, uh, it's okay, Mark. If they give up, if they don't give up the home game, I think he's on board, too. That would just be one heck of a trip. And the trip that we're taking at WarChant.com right now is a journey through the position groups as we get into <laughs> spring camp. We've got stories like right now, you'll see on the front page of warchant.com, a defensive tackle breakdown. Ira, you talked to our own Jeff Cameron about this today a little bit on the appearance on the JCS. But that was a position group heading into 2022 that we thought if you were going to say best position on the team, defensive tackle was pretty quick and pretty high up on that list. Uh, It didn't turn out that way through circumstance, injury, and then also maybe some depth issues that we thought that there weren't exactly there. Uh, you had mentioned on the show, and if you wouldn't mind speaking it to the Monday Smash audience, it was it's a good exercise to go through about preseason expectations versus reality. Defensive tackle wasn't exactly the anchor of the defense last year the way that we thought it was going to be.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think it's something you you've talked about it a lot. I know on, on Jeff's show and other things we do, but you know that how disappointed. You yeah, know, you were and a lot of us were with the with the the run defense, particularly in the middle of the defense. That was kind of the most troubling thing. You know, it wasn't shocking when maybe teams got outside the edge on a Jared Verse or or Patrick Payton or something like that. But we did not expect going into the 2022 season, the teams would be able to run up the middle. And that yet Louisville did it. Wake Forest did it. I think Louisville's caught FSU by surprise a little bit. I think everybody's so used to running Louisville zone uh, running, and I think they kind of ran right at them a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Wake, Wake ran it up the middle against them. Uh, you know, I think, you know, obviously Clemson had some success. But then late in the year, even um, Florida and Oklahoma. And so I just, um, you know, I think there's a – that's part of the reason I think some fans have kind of gotten frustrated about even Adam Fuller in the defense. They feel like that that's a, a reflection on the defense overall. Um, But I mean, I just think when you look back at it, the guys that we thought they would have, they really didn't have. I mean, Robert Cooper played every game. I assume whatever injury he had must have been one of those injuries where it's look, man, we can't fix this during the season, and it's not going to get any worse. But you're going to have to play through being not happy and not feeling good for the entire season, and that's what he did. And you give him credit for being out there every snap. But Robert Cooper had 19 tackles in 2022. He had doubled that the year before. You wouldn't think he would have half as much production yep. in his last year of college. And it's not like he was loafing. I just think he wasn't physically the same guy. Then you talk about Fabian Lovett only playing basically parts of seven games. He missed half the season. Uh, and then those guys, on the you know, the backup, Sherry Jackson, who also, it's worth noting, wasn't available in the bowl game. So you didn't have him. You know, he had already transferred out. So you didn't have him or Fabian Lovett in the bowl game. And um uh, you know, you just see that that defensive tackle position was not what we thought it was going to be, yep. but man, alive, when you look ahead to what they should be in 2023 yep. it's uh it's about as stout as I mean it's, you got probably got to go back to a 2013 team, I think
0: yeah, no, I agree I mean I mean you, you think about your first four in that rotation and and you've got an anchor coming back uh for one more run <laughs> in a garnet in gold, you got Fisk you've got Daryl Jackson, you got Joshua Farmer, his high school teammate, and then the slew of young players. And I know I'm skipping over a couple of guys that are in the rotation as well. Malcolm Ray, Malcolm Ray, but it's just like, who is the fifth guy in that rotation? You're not wondering who the third player is. You're wondering who the fifth player is in the rotation. And then the other thing is the on the defensive line as a whole, I love the versatility of what they can do right. in against run heavy teams and against pass heavy teams. Now you've got a ton of versatility with a guy like Fisk, who, if it's a run-heavy team, you can run him out there, and maybe he plays a little bit wider from the line of scrimmage or from the ball away from the ball. Same thing with Dennis Briggs, and then you got a couple of anchors in the middle. They're just they have so much more to work with up front. It's not just in the interior, Ira, but there, there's interchangeability. I don't think that they've had, like you're saying, probably since the tail end of 29 straight. However, you want to line it up up front. I'm talking about the four now. Across. Right. Right you could, they've got answers for it.
1: Yeah, and I'm curious Briggs is one I'm curious about. In the yep. uh position things we did, we pieces we did the people can find at warchant.com. The uh defensive I listed Briggs with the defensive ends. Um but I don't know. You know, I'm not sure where he best fits. Um he's played both uh, this past year, you know, when Patrick Payton came on and then they were thin because of injuries at defensive tackle, they moved him back to defensive tackle after moving him to defensive end last off season. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what they're going to do with him, um, this uh, spring and fall. I don't know that there's a huge need at other spot at the same time. He's a guy that's played a lot of football and he played well in the bowl game. He had some big plays in the bowl game. So, um, you know, I just, I'm curious as where do you think he ends up?
0: I, I think I, they liked him as a Swiss army knife this year because they moved him late. I, I, I think he could play anywhere. I, I mean, uh, yeah. I just, I think it depends on the situation. They could be as multiple as they want up front now. And the other thing I'd say that Adam Fuller does, we saw it a couple of years ago with Keir Thomas and Jermaine Johnson. There were times on in certain situations, he'd line them up next to each other and that doesn't make sense right. on a two deep, but he lined up up next to each other because he wants to run twists and games. I just think it's, this might be another position group defensive line, where I don't know that we're done seeing the comings and goings after you know, spring camp. It's just there's there's a whole lot of guys that you want to get in the rotation, but I, I don't know that everybody can fit in the plans for the fall or at least get the snap count that they want to get. So there might be some honest conversations to come. The other position groups that you've written about Ira, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, the tight ends, the O-line, and the defensive ends. Let's stick with that offensive side of the football. Of that group, what was the most fun to examine, do you think? Wh- which position group did you have the most fun examining? We we could argue which is the deepest or which has the most top-end talent, but which one is the most entertaining as we're in between fall and then spring camp?
1: Well, Corey and I split them up, so I'm not taking all the credit. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, you're the editor. You examined right, every right, business, right, right. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. They're all pretty fun, to be honest with you. I mean, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I mean – You have so many guys coming back, and then you add in some new toys. I think, um, you know, maybe tight end because, you know, you bring in Jaheim Bell, um, who, you know, we spoke to last week. People, If you haven't watched the video of him speaking to the media or the story we wrote off of it, you can uh, catch those, catch back up to those. But the transfer from South Carolina, super confident guy. Um, You know, you could tell that Jaheim Bell expects to be uh, utilized – uh, in a lot of different ways and yeah. utilized heavily in this Florida state offense. I mean, he's a very confident dude. And um, you know, I think, you know, we're, I think we're talking to uh, Kyle Morlock, Moor- the other transfer, the six, 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 seven transfer from uh shorter college. He's going to be talking to the media, I think either tomorrow or Thursday, he's speaking to the media this week. So that'll be up on the website, but just thinking about that position. And then, you know, the, also some of the guys that Marquistan Douglas, the way he emerged late in the year, then you talk about Brian Courtney, who we all really like as a true freshman last year, and they've got some other guys as well. In mean, that position, I think we may this may be the first year that we really see what the tight end looks like in Mike Norvell's offense, because no offense to Cam McDonald, but I just don't know that he was exactly what Mike Norvell was looking for, and then now you've kind of replenished it to the point where I, you've got a lot of different kinds of weapons.
0: Got a lot of you in the chat right now and watching us live on YouTube and other places on WardChan TV. Do us a favor, throw a like underneath this video. It takes just one second to do. In fact, we'll pause right now.
1: Hey headliners and elite headliners. It's Ira here, and it's time to talk Shopify. As you remember, a couple of years ago, we wanted to create and sell headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you. But we had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling Yay ye's sausage shirts, and it's so easy Whatever you need, you're covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love most about Shopify is how, no matter how big you wanna grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow Grow with Shopify. Sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash warchant all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash warchant all lowercase, and they'll help you grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Go to shopify.com slash warchant.
0: Thank you for liking this video. We really appreciate that. <laughs> Subscribe to WarChant TV. It's absolutely free. Kyle Morlock does speak tomorrow to the media. Ten, Sorry, forgive me, 1130 tomorrow morning is when he meets the media. One of four newcomers. I love this interview series. It was a lot of fun last year. It's a lot of fun again. FSU making new players available to us uh, tomorrow and Thursday. This
1: week. These, these guys this week have a, have a lot of uh, to live up to compared oh, to the, guy, the guys last week. I mean, it was impressive. Impressive young men that spoke to the media last week.
0: So I was watching uh, from New York. I was uh, on a, a trip. My wife had some dealings and a, and a holiday party that I attended in Manhattan. And I was watching on Zoom. And the Casey Roddick interview, I could see from up there, I was like, oh, man, he blew that one out of the water. That That is a room of impressed media members right now. <laughs> you could feel it through the Zoom screen. But he wasn't the only one, Ira. And, and I'll ask you, I'll follow up on that in just a minute. But I want to uh, briefly touch on the tight ends. What's interesting about this situation to me is Marquise and Douglas is a returner who emerged towards the end of the year. But in general, about how they want to line up and if they want to line up and they want to run, you know, it seemed like Florida State last year, Ira, was going to have unbalanced sets or an extra offensive lineman come in to help. uh, But then injuries limited the ability to do that because they, they were so thin at a couple of positions that if you ran Darius Washington out there, that's kind of a risk you don't need to take right. in case you lose one guy here or there. I, you know, they, this doesn't necessarily have to be about a tight end coming in to be a blocking uh, asset in this offense. They're now so deep on the offensive line that they can line up Kyle Morlock away from the ball if they want to. And obviously Jackie Bell's Bell is going to be everywhere. But I, they've got more versatility to do both things. We, we think about tight end as this combo position like Rob Gronkowski is an unbelievable blocker and then receiver. Yeah, that's the total package. But they don't have to have an inline tight end next year as much because the depth on the O-line is going to be so great. If they want to put six out there, Mike Norvell has shown that he'll do that in the past. They literally can line these guys up wherever they want based upon each matchup. I think the hardest part for the coaching staff this year, offensively speaking, is How do you share the ball and week to week? Is everybody okay with, I'm going to get four targets this week against this opponent. I might get 11 the next week based upon the strength and and the weakness of each defense. They're going to have to make sure everybody stays happy for all 12 games.
1: Yeah. And that could be a challenge. And, And again, it's, it's, you know, completely different than where we were just two years ago. I mean, think about two years ago, how often Mike Norvell had to put three or four wide receiver or three or four running backs on the field together. Cause they just didn't have any good wide receivers. So they just didn't have it. You know, they didn't have any uh, dynamic players out on the, on the perimeter. So yeah, he just had to put running backs out there. Well now your running back room is pretty loaded. That's another position that, I mean, yeah, that's an impressive group. Uh, the tight end room is, is suddenly pretty loaded. The wide receiver group we know is loaded. And then, as you said, you've got a really deep offensive line where you've got guys that if you want to put somebody else out there uh, to help with blocking, you can do that. I, I'm l- really looking forward to seeing – you you just wonder sometimes if, um, as you said, not just keeping everybody happy, but also not getting um, distracted, you know. I mean, I, because for, as a coaching staff, sometimes it might be simpler if you don't have too many options, you know. And I just think he's going to have so many options – Um, you know, and and so in terms of personnel, do you go with two, three tight ends? Do you go with three or four or five wide receivers? Do you go with three, two or three backs? Um, I mean, it's, it's, that's going to be somewhat of a challenge to be honest with you, because uh, I'm sure it'll be based on opponent and situation, but they've, they're going to have options everywhere they turn.
0: The godfather, Ed Lemmicks, has popped into the chat. Thank you, Mr. DeLuna Coffee. He says, it's great to see how these players love our coaches. Look at all the tight ends coming to junior day. That's another thing. Spoke about this today on the show, and it's been covered at warchant.com. Go check out our coverage on the proper website. Michael Langston leading the way there. But, you know, it was said that if they succeed on the field, watch the caliber of player that visits and visits more often at Florida State. It looks like through a couple of junior days, I know that the dead period begins at the end of this week. Uh, you know, Mike Norvell is making inroads and it's not just because they've got another coach on staff that has Florida ties and Patrick Sertan, the offense, the production there, uh, the improvements on defense are speaking volumes uh, in the state of Florida and in the region saying that Florida state is a destination and you can, (laughs) you could come here because there's proof of concept now in such a way that Florida state should be expecting a better high school recruiting class ranking in the years to come, especially this next wave of 2024 with a 10 win season behind them and what appears to be Another double digit uh, season in front of them if they stay healthy.
1: Yeah, and to Ed's question, you know, Landon Thomas, the tight end from uh, South Georgia, who is was at one point committed to Florida State, early in the process before everybody else was in on. Him, now is committed to Georgia, but he came down for Florida State's junior day. Uh, the idea that a, a guy who's committed to play tight end at Georgia, where they've done what they've done with tight end, their tight end the last couple of years. Um, would still be considering Florida state or really any school is really impressive. And I think it does speak to what this offense could be. And now do I think Florida state's going to beat them out for this guy? I don't know. Um, That would probably be a lot to ask, but at the same time, you know, maybe you're the second, uh, second destination. If things don't work out originally, but, but again, it just speaks to it. And they had several other tight ends here as well. And some of them mentioned, you know, the point you made about guys not having to play the traditional position. One of the tight ends mentioned, uh johnny wilson is 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 the way the way they've used johnny wilson is something that you know they expressed i assume the coaches expressed to this young man is this is a way we could use you as well and so man you have the you have the proof of concept what they did last year this offense it's no longer selling a vision it's selling results and yeah man these junior days have been cool i mean the, the the a year ago i can just tell you A lot of the updates, Michael is writing those stories from out there, and uh, a lot of the updates were not on high four-star guys or five-star guys. It was a lot of three-star guys. That's why you know a lot of fans took shots at Mike Norvell because they felt like he couldn't recruit the higher-level guys. Well, now you've had a 10-3 season, and you've been laying this groundwork for these last two years, and it's a completely different brand of football player they've been uh, getting to these junior days.
0: Tom asks a question about the portal. When does the portal start again? Uh, 2.5 more players. I, I guess he's talking about how many guys did we go get. But uh, as my as I understand it, it's May 1st. They got a 15-day period beginning in May. Is that is that correct?
1: Yeah, I can't remember if it's exactly the 1st, but yeah, it's in May. It's basically after everybody's done with spring football. And so it'll kind of give everybody one more chance to, you know, players who uh, maybe lost a starting job in the spring or maybe realized they're further on the depth chart than they expected. It'll give them another chance to hop back in to the portal, and they'll give other schools a chance to realize maybe where they're missing. They need to add some pieces, and I would say it's two point five. I don't know, man. I, I probably two. I think maybe Florida State picks up two more players. What do you think?
0: Uh, I think that sounds about right. I mean, and you don't know how many are going to exit out of Tallahassee right. in spring camp, so that that always keeps it kind of up in the air. Yeah, May first to fifteenth. Michael Langston uh, to chime hey, Michael, in. Michael, thanks, camp. Mike. He's the Monday chat master, is Michael Langston. We appreciate him popping in and answering questions. For those of you, it's a little value added. That's what we say in the media business, a little value added. If you got questions for Michael in the chat, go ahead, fire away. Um, but I'm uh, t- returning to the newcomer interviews, we did talk about Casey Roddick, and then Jaheim Bell was uh, unafraid last week. And, and I like how he mentioned, too, that Jordan Travis was a huge reason that he came to Tallahassee. Uh, why wouldn't you want to play with Jordan Travis? That's a good answer. What about some of the other guys uh, that spoke before the media? Who impressed you?
1: Really all of them, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I just wrote about Lamont Green that people can read about uh, that on the website. Um, You know, he was, uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, when he first committed to Florida State, a lot of times with legacy kids, you know, you never know, everybody will kind of whisper, oh, is he really Florida State caliber or are they signing him because of his dad or whatever? And Lamont Green, senior. Uh, was a really good linebacker for Florida State in the mid-90s. Um, was a highly, highly coveted recruit and ended up having a good career. Had over 200 tackles. I think was all ACC his last year or maybe second to last year. But he had a really good career at Florida State. And his son has been somebody that Florida State's been recruiting for a long time. Committed two years ago. and uh, But he really kind of blew up these last two years in high school football. He had 20-something sacks, uh, I think, each of the last two years maybe. Um, and he's undersized. Uh, right now, I think they're listing him at 206. He didn't look 206 to me. If he's 6'3, he didn't look as thin as 206 sounds. Um, but he does want to get up to about 230 this spring. And the good news is it's not like they desperately need a pass rusher. Um, but but when you look at his frame, he's gonna be able to put up be able to put on a lot more size. And he was a cool kid, man. Just listen to him talk about getting to wear his dad's jersey number and you think about that. And it's the kind of thing we you know, we write about stories like that, we but could you imagine what that must be like? I mean, you you've been watching these VHS tapes of your old man wearing 45, and you you know, you want to be a Seminole your whole life, and then here you are. You go in your locker room when you report for the for January, and you got a 45 jersey, and you could tell it was genuine. He was really excited.
0: Well, and then you go through a period of about uh, the entirety of your high school, say for your last year, saying, "Do I really want to be a Seminole oh, man?" This looks like a rough experience. Oh man. And then they get it all. They get it all squared away, and now Florida State is in a much healthier position. That's the other thing, too. All these guys don't look like the weight of the world is on their shoulders. Whether it's the newcomers with pressures about what they have to do immediately, some guys put the pressure on themselves. But you could kind of sense that in the breakout rooms with these players that there was just they were walking on eggshells a little bit because they were trying to get over this barrier. And now there's just kind of a sense of relief. But the question is, how do they get from a 10 win season in a bowl game? to that next level, and that's something that you can find on Warchan TV. That discussion will be coming out in just a couple of days between some members of our staff saying, is FSU a national title contender? I'll turn that question to you in, in this sense. If Florida State, the playoff contender is one thing, but to win a national title is quite another. Like TCU kind of proved that. They got in the playoff, they won a game, but then there was this other level that they had to go to in order to win the national title. They were not prepared to do that. If Florida State is to be that second tier, that best tier of national title contender, what will be the reason or what is the key position group that you think will have to come a long way in order to get them there?
1: Before I answer that, can I touch one back on the newcomers real quick? Because okay. I was just thinking about KJ Kirkland also. I mean, they were all impressive. But KJ Kirkland is a freshman um, coming in uh, out of Jacksonville. It was really impressive. And the thing I liked about him, one of the things I liked about him, and it made me think about it when you were talking about what, you know, Lamont green was probably thinking during the process. He's another guy that committed, he committed last summer, you know, when they're coming off of a five win season. And so, you know, he was, he, he was committed to Florida state and he felt good about it, but same kind of deal, you know, now he gets to watch them win 10 games and now, you know, he, you can tell he felt, you know, like, man, I made the right decision. I knew I saw it in these guys. I saw it when I came to the practices, I saw it when I w- was around these coaches. And so the, the validation I think for, for, guys like that is really cool as well. Those guys all coming in now with a feeling that, you know, man, I'm I'm in the right place.
0: Well, okay. Let's stick with that. We'll go to the big picture in a second. I, I find it interesting how many different players are both high school and out of the portal all say the same thing about practice, like practice, put it over the top for them. Mm-hmm. I find that interesting. Now we saw a little bit of, of Jimbo's practices in the early portion of his career. Uh, and then they would have the open fan day practices as well once a once a camp. But it was tar- it was harder to get into those. And towards the end, I don't think anybody wanted to be in there anyway. Players included coaches. <laughs> kind of go bad. Uh, we saw some of Willie Taggart's practices earlier on. And now we've seen a whole lot of Coach Norvell's practices. And I would assume how many Bowden practices did you go to back in the day? Um, decent um, amount, decent
1: yeah. amount in preseason <laughs> and in spring.
0: So what is it about this if you were because you've seen more than I have uh, in terms of what what a standard football practice looks like uh, going back, probably even to Gainesville a little bit
1: because I'm old.
0: That's well experienced. And wise. <laughs> <laughs> going with wise, damn it. Uh, what do you think is the secret sauce? Why, why does practice stand out to players, uh, both high school and transfer wise under Mike Norvell? Is there something different that you see?
1: I mean, I think Jimbo's were impressive too, without question. I mean, they were very, they were fast paced. Um, they were, you know, and you were out there some too, and it was, they were organized. There's a lot, two fields going on all the time. There's a lot going on. Um, so those were impressive too. And I mean, you know, back in the day was a little bit different before college football became this industrial complex that it is now, um, back in the days when I was covering UF or early, um, at Florida state, but, um, I think Jimbo's were impressive too. I think what's the special sauce, I think what's kind of really resonating with those kids is they talk to these coaches off the field. You know, they talk to Mike Norvell in his office and they talk to Alex Atkins in his office or if they're homes and they're a little bit different in those settings. You know, they're not, um, you know, Mike Norvell's an affable guy seems like a mild mannered guy. Um, Likes to joke around, likes to joke with the players. Alex Atkins the same way, a little bit different sense of humor. He might make fun of players and things like that, but they they he, he kind of gives that give and take. So that's like one speed, and that's nice. And I think that that, you know, tagger staff may have had that speed also. But where tagger staff lacked was when they went to the field, they didn't see the, the hard coaching part. And that's the part that, man, the players want that. You know, players want to be coached. They don't want, they, they all have aspirations of being, whether it's winning in college and then also going on to the NFL or playing professional football, they want to be pushed. So if they're not being pushed in practice, that's not appealing. So I think the, that might've been a disconnect in that staff when, you know, even if they like these coaches, when they, when they spoke to them on the phone or in person, but they didn't see what they wanted to see on the practice field. I think dorvell has got both and, and Jimbo had it. For a little while, I mean that's what made Jimbo a really re- good recruiter, I think as well is Jimbo had a great personality with players um and players' families. he was a really good recruiter. He had a staff of really good recruiters, and then when you went to practice, it was really intense. The one difference I would say though is, and I don't know if it always happened when recruits were there or not, but it got there was times where it felt personal, yep you know there were things said to players either by him or by a position coach like Rick Trickett or, you know, maybe one or two other guys on that staff where things would be said to players that, you know, it happens. We all know it happens on college football fields. We're out there every day at Florida State. That doesn't happen out there. I've I've never seen, I have not once seen, I'm not saying that they don't say something they wouldn't have have done differently, but you don't see that very much. So I think you get hard coaching, but you're getting loved on uh, away from the field. And you're not being disrespected if you do something wrong, and you know. So maybe that's kind of. I think if you can kind of get all that together, I think it's a good mix.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough to explain. You'd have to be there, and you can. I can apply to something else. Like if you're playing pickup anything, or you're playing a game with your friends and you're cracking on each other, right? And sometimes it gets it gets brutal. You're like, man, that's brutal, but you're laughing. And then there are other times where you're like, whoa, that's right. that's over. Hey, 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 easy. You don't say that. That's Jimbo would go to that other place where like, whoa,
1: my man. Right. And then, and and ultimately that was kind of one of their downfalls, especially with, you know, Coach Trickett, who I you know, have a lot of respect for. The guy did an amazing work uh, with a lot of offensive linemen throughout his career, uh, had a tremendous career. And I, and I think was a, as a you know, had the right intentions, but later in his career, they had less and less of the players were willing to put up with it. And then when recruits would come visit, they would be told like, look, man, this isn't, you're not going to like this. This isn't, it's not cool the way he treats us. And it really affected their recruiting. And I think, you know, if you're not good on the offensive line, you're not going to be good anywhere. And so, um, you know, that's kind of where things went off the rails. I think. Unfortunately, one, Matthew, of, one of the ways, one of the ways.
0: Unfortunately, Matthew, that's uh, that's an oversimplified retort. I, I know you're trying to crack a joke there, but they play plenty of rap music at Mike Morvell's practice. There's plenty of it. Anytime they go head to head in a drill, there is music cranking. Now they mix it sometimes to our liking. Every once in a while, we get a little ozzy. <laughs> or sometimes when they get old school, you know, rap and R&B for Ira, I get a little metallic every once in a while, but they play a whole lot of rap music at practices. It's not about that, I can promise you. Uh, it's about other things that happened in the previous era. Uh, so to the nearly 250 of you right now that are watching Monday Smash, do us a favor and hit the like button underneath this video and subscribe to WarChant TV. It's absolutely free.
1: You want me to you want me to answer that other question now the the national championship. Thing? Let's do it.
0: Yet yeah, let's do it. So the national championship. There's a difference between making the playoff and then having a chance to win the whole thing, as TCU just proved. Resetting for the new audience, of course. Uh, Ira, what would be the reason that Florida State gets to that upper upper tier? Is it a position group or something that we don't know? Something that's got to happen or something that would be unexpected?
1: You know, I think the the thing that would I guess concern me going into this year where I'd say like, okay, I don't know, um, how that's going to pan out at that level. Um, you know, it's probably the, probably the linebacker play. Um, it's probably the one position where I would say, and I like killing DeLoach. I like Tatum Bethune a lot. Um, there, I don't know that they're elite there, but I do think they will be helped a lot by, as we talked about earlier, if you've got a better, better defensive tackles, a better defensive line, you're going to be better at linebacker. Um, so that if those guys play better and, or if they get a, po- a player to help at that position and then behind them, you know, Jamie Robinson's gone now. So does, uh, you know, does, uh, excuse me, Shaheem, uh, does Shaheem Brown, does, do they make a, a leap there? Um, at safety or, or not have a dip there at safety. And then a linebacker, can they get better? I think those are positions that are probably likely to get a transfer. If they can get a transfer, if they can get another transfer, um, and uh you know at safety i think that would be a big deal and maybe one at linebacker um so those positions would have to be probably better than i think right now but the the biggest thing is going to be matchups i mean i really think you know to get to that championship game you you probably need a good matchup you know in the in the in the in the semifinal round and i think so that's as big as anything and then once you get there i you know i, I don't i don't subscribe to the notion that tcu was 60 points worse than Georgia. Sure. I think if, not to sound like Dabo, but if they played 10 times, uh, they wouldn't have got beat like that. Now, they might have lost all 10, but they wouldn't have lost. They would. They might not have lost again by that much. They played terribly yep. to go with Georgia playing pretty flawlessly. And so, but I think Florida State can be in that mix for sure.
0: Yeah, I think the, the missing link to me, you're right. I, I would start probably in the middle of the field defensively. They need to answer some questions there at the very least. Uh, and and maybe better defensive interior play up front can help answer the linebacker question a little bit. But to me, it's on the O line. Uh, you lost a lot of guys now. You know the O line has been something we talk about every preseason because it's just not good enough. It was good enough to get you ten wins last year and probably eleven if you didn't slip up on the road at NC State. But to me, if you're going to push over that final hurdle, it's third and one and a half. Whole world knows you got to run. Can you do it? And if you if you can do that successfully at least 50% of the time, 60% of the time, that makes it so much more dangerous, uh, the, the total package of an offense in a, in a red zone set uh, and a third and got to have it, all uh, fourth and goal, whatever, things like that. You've got to be able to win those more often. And I think that Florida State had to turn to indirect ways in order to score in those situations against better defensive lines because, again, You know, I I think the O-line will be fine for the bulk of the season. But these little these games, like the first one of the year or the Clemson game on the road or the playoff games, if we're projecting that they're going to get there, they've got to be a little bit better. And I don't know if it's the new candidates that are coming in from the transfer portal. I don't know if it's some of the guys that are already on campus, but that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch. They may do some position shuffling on the offensive line as well. I mean, they've already shown a propensity right. to do that, Ira, that tackles and can play guard and vice versa. Even when you asked some of the offensive linemen last week, they didn't right. have a, a, a finite answer of, I'm, I will play right tackle. Sometimes they'd say, I'll play tackle, but I may play guard. Or Casey Roddick might play guard or center. So, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of shuffling to go on there. But I think that's the next level thing for the offense. If you want to be able to score in the 30s almost every week, they've got to be able to run the ball in short yardage. And I I don't know, maybe you see it differently, but I thought that they were just okay in that regard. Not great at it when they played better defensive fronts.
1: No, I agree with you entirely last year. And that's why I kind of defended, you know, Mike Norvell. People got mad about the cube play calling and all that. And I always felt like, look, man, if he could just run it up the middle, he would do it. It's not like he's trying to prove he's an offensive whiz. I felt like they had to out of necessity. and, And a lot of times in short yardage situations, but here's, here's my hot take. I think they're going to be much better on the offensive line. Uh, I, I and that's why I didn't give that as my answer because I I am expecting that. I'll be I'll be disappointed if the offensive line is not be- much better. I look, man. I just think you know Jeremiah Byers has been playing right tackle at UTEP and grading out really well, doing really well there. But they're looking at moving him to guard. Um, I think that you know speaks a lot. Um, you know, I think that's probably. Um, it's. I think there were some negotiations being done. I, this is a theory. I don't know if this is true or not, but you talked about these guys playing different positions. I kind of feel like Alex Atkins did some, you know, negotiating in terms of where do you want to play for the next level? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe we can help you make that transition. Casey Roddick, for example, has has played a lot of tackle. He, I think they wanted to try to see if he could be a center. Yeah. Um, and so Maybe that was part of the discussion. Look, man, I'm going to coach you well. I'm going to make you better. This is a good team. It's a good culture. It's a good place to be. Oh, and I'll we'll work you at center, and because that might be where you have a chance to play. Or buyers, you're, you're probably not going to be a tackle in the NFL, but you might be a guard in the NFL. So come here and be a guard. And so, you know, again, so I, I don't know how it's all going to play out. I don't know who's going to end up where. But when I look at the guys that they are losing, and the guys they're bringing in, I think the kid from Auburn. Um, is going to Keandre Jones? I think he's going to be really, really good. I mean, he he he's the one on paper that probably doesn't show as much success. He lost his starting job at Auburn, but I think there's a ton of potential there. That dude is a freakish human being, um, and I think Atkins is going to get the best out of him. And I just mean, I think I, in the guys you're bringing back, Robert Scott and um, you know, you know Darius Maurice. Uh, I mean, I just think that that line has a chance. And then Julian Armella yep. getting to play this year. I just think they're going to be. I think they're going to be. I'm going to say much improved because they were pretty good last year, but I think that there's a good chance they'll be improved.
0: Okay. So here's a fun exercise then uh, ranking the position groups on offense, because if you think that the offensive line is going to go to another level, then they they're, they're good at every single position. group
1: on offense. I'm telling you, man, that offense is loaded.
0: So let's remove quarterback. Cause that's one player. Uh, the position groups, receiver, running back, tight end and offensive line which is the best group in the managing editor of warchant.com's mind in the fall of 2023, which group is going to be the best.
1: I'll probably say running back. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like the receiver group a whole lot, but man, I, I think the running back group is top to bottom, really f- fantastic. And then you got CJ Campbell as a, is a walk on yeah. is who's, I mean, cause I homes, uh, you know look if that kid's if that he's another one he, we spoke to him last week because i asked somebody uh in the program i says because i home's as good as he thinks he is because <laughs> and he wasn't like braggadocious or anything but you could tell he really is confident in his abilities and look man he was a four-star prospect coming to high school he's a really well put together kid, 210 pounds um you know and he he said he it, it looks worse on paper than it did sounding when he said it but he uh, you know the quote was something like you know i feel like i'm a lot like trey Benson, but." with a little bit more, uh, lateral movement. He didn't say more, but I've got some lateral movement as well. Trey has some too. Um, but, um, you know, I just think that running back room is, is elite. I think the receiver room can be elite. Yeah. Um, but I think the running back room and quarterback is, is certainly elite.
0: Yeah. What was interesting was that Trey quote tweeted Kazaya and said, Did he? yes. And he said, okay. they're going to see it. They're going to see it. Oh, like, right. so I find that interesting, you know, uh, sometimes there's, not trying to cause a problem, but sometimes there's infighting in a position group because there's only one football and you want to fight for it. But not only did Trey state, you know, do nothing about it. He said, Oh no, you're right. You're right. This is you you're, you're going to show the world. And then Rodney Hill is in that conversation yes. too. And that's my guy. They need a guy. Iron and, and Toe Feely can do this. We're not talking about him. And he's only a, a very important, versatile member of the offense. They need a guy who can hit the hole. And I mean, quickly Trey, sometimes when he goes wrong, likes right. to wait and, and, and wait around. And that's what losing Trayshawn Ward hurts,
1: right? But I think you and I are on the same page. We both think Rodney Hill can be that guy. I think Isaiah Holmes very well likely could be that guy too. But, but yeah, Rodney Hill. It's funny you said that about Trey because when when Trayshawn Ward got hurt last season, we were coming out of. Inter- I think we had done some interviews. It might have been the Monday press conference. Yeah, because we were at the Monday press conference with Norvell, yep. and Trayshawn Ward tweeted out the picture of him, uh, you know, in the in, in surgical gown or whatever, and it looked like he was going to need surgery. And I was walking out and I walked past Trey Benson. And I said to him, uh, it wasn't an interview. I just said to him, I said, man, that stinks about Sean. And he's like, yeah, it does. And then he goes, and I said, but, you know, it's a good opportunity for Rodney. He goes, oh boy. He goes, he's ready too. Like he was, you could see the joy in his face about people getting to see Rodney Hill. It Didn't really happen. They ended up, I think, you know, relying on the older guys in that game. But yeah, man, I think you and I are practice every day. And I think we're, we might be president and vice president, or co-president of yeah. the Rodney Hill Fan Club. I think he's going to do really good things.
0: I'm sure the other media members from other outlets are sick of us as we're sitting along Hauser Stadium when uh, they hear, "There you go, anytime they give the <laughs> ball to Rodney, they're just oh, those two always, you know, just like that's the right thing to move, or that's a good move, good move there, give the yeah. ball to Rodney."
1: What do you think? Is that is that the group so, you think, or what do you I, think?
0: I got a hot take. I got a All hot right. take for you too. That tight end room is going to be the talk of the ACC that is going to be every week. They're going to highlight, look at all these guys because Marquiston is a part of that rotation. I I don't think he's not going to see the field. I think he's still going to see the field. And with Jaheim bell essentially being, I I would say like an H back. So it's kind of a cheap move to keep him as, as a true tight end, just because of the way we picture that position. But given the versatility of what these guys can do, And you're right, that you don't count out Brian Courtney either in terms of just, again, being versatile at the position. They now have – it's like the receiver room the year before, Ira. We were lamenting that they didn't have like a guy that they could go to with any consistency in 21. Last year, you had a a guy who could do everything. You had somebody who could stretch the field, multiple players. You had a red zone weapon and Johnny Wilson, who was more than that, but just in terms of height. Possession receivers, underneath guys. It went from having nothing to having everything – it's going to be the same thing for the tight end room this fall.
1: And uh, I just saw Ed's question in the chat. He said, uh, "Even without Trayshawn, listen, I was a day one Trayshawn Ward fan. I love Trayshawn Ward, and and uh, and Tom and I talk about him at practice. I've always thought the world of him. Um, and we'll see. Could be wrong. It could be a hot take, and you guys could laugh at me. I think Rodney Hill does a lot of the same things Trayshawn does, but he's got that." that after murder that Trayshawn didn't have Trayshawn did not have Treshawn was unbelievable in short distances, getting to a high speed quickly, shifty, good vision, balance, and all that. But guys could run Treshawn Ward down. Rodney Hill's got track speed. Uh, they're not going to run him down. So I think I, I, yeah, I don't think he lost anything there. And then you bring in Kaziah Holmes and you bring in the freshman Sam Singleton and you've got CJ. I mean, I just think that room is just loaded.
0: It is. And receiver could go to another level if Winston Wright is completely healthy. And that'll be one of the things I look forward to seeing, Ira. Now that we've gotten out of fall camp, might be a little bit more uh, fair to and, and uh, bull practices. Uh, to speak about Winston, you know, they were really pleased, the timeline of it, about the speed of his recovery to where nobody dismissed the notion that he could be back in the rotation at some point in the season. And there were moments I thought in practice with the activity that started to ramp up. I thought he could do it. This is possible, but it just in terms of, I don't know if it's the trust or it fighting through discomfort or whatever, the explosiveness hadn't quite clicked by the end of the camps, at least in my non-medical opinion, it'll be really fun to watch him in spring camp because he was, he has been tweeting out photos of himself at the tour of duty. and, And you could see that he believes that he's up to full speed he could help change that wide receiver room and help account for pokey Wilson's departure.
1: Cause pokey had a great season too. Yeah. You're right. Pokey did have a, a really great season. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the thing with Winston Wright last year, and this is not from FSU's. you know, nobody, they're not giving out medical information about him, but yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot of optimism that he might be back at some point last year. I feel like there had to have been some sort of a little setback, nothing terrible. Like we never saw him disappear for two weeks or anything. But either whether it was in his own mind or whether there was some sort of, you know, something just didn't respond as well as they'd hoped, they kind of pushed it back because it looked like it was really accelerated for a while and then it kind of got quiet a little bit and then they started making a push again late in the year. Um, but yeah, the the stuff he's putting out on social media from the tour duty looks really, I mean, it looks like he's given it all. It looks like he's going through everything and, um, you know, he's a guy that, again, I mean, I'm sure most people watching this remember, but you know, he caught over 60 passes his last year at West Virginia. Uh, and it's gonna be interesting. Again, that's another position where it's like who gets on the field with who? How much do, do guys get on the field? Because we saw some of these young receivers kind of emerge as the season went on. Uh, Kentron Portier and uh you know, Darian Williamson. Now Malik McClain went in the portal, to, which kind of speaks to how how much talent is in that room overall. Uh, but everybody knows about Johnny Wilson, everybody knows about Micah and in 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 that group, but Uh, I'm curious to see what Winston Wright and Micah Pittman, like how interchangeable they are, Mm -hmm. how often they go forward wide receivers. I don't know because Winston's pretty much strictly a slot receiver. At least that's what he was, um, at West Virginia. Um, but again, you want those backs and tight ends on the field, dude. I don't know, dude. What do you, Uh, what what personnel do you think gets, gets the most run on this team? That's I'm 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 curious
0: too tight, probably a lot. Uh, but not lined up on the ends, you know what I mean? Like you know, Jaheem could be anywhere off, and, and Kyle Morlock could be out out wide with Johnny on the other side. You got two six, seven plus targets. I, I just I feel like there's gonna be a lot of wide open dudes, Ira. There's gonna be a lot of wide open dudes, especially if they establish the run early in these games. How can you there are so many mismatches that they have in this offense that it's just it, it's hard to imagine that they're not gonna have wide open looks, tempo or not, often in each of these games. Uh, I don't know how they're going to balance it. It's a really great problem to have because two years ago, the question was, all right, they can't block. They can't catch, <laughs> protect, they can't catch contested passes, but we know they're going to have put, three 25-yard runs this game, but is that going to be enough? You know, Put more backs
1: on the field. Put <laughs> more backs on the field. Um, yeah, man, and I, if, if I just tuned into this right now, the last five minutes, I and mean, we sound like fanboy homers. I mean, I get it. I get it. We're, it sounds like we're gushing over this offense, but honestly, if their offensive line is is good or better, which I think it's going to be better next year, yep. with everything else you have, it's it's kind of crazy what they have on offense. Yep. Um, and so, and then I think the world of Mike Norvell as a play caller. I think we saw that this past year. I thought I was I was hopeful that the move from Kenny as play caller to Mike Norvell might be better, uh, and I think it was. And I think. That offense overall and Alex Atkins' is imprint in it. Uh, that coaching staff's done a great job. So, but we're not talking about this way, the same way on defense. We have some questions about the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, they don't have to be lights out, but they do have to be better on that side of the ball to get in that championship uh, conversation. But I think that's why you've seen them devote some of the resources that they have <clears throat> getting, you know, Daryl Jackson and Braden Fisk and uh, you know, the, the defensive ends they brought in. I mean, they've, they've, they've made a lot of uh, Fentrell Cypress with the best cornerbacks in the ACC. Uh, this, this, this could be a pretty special season.
0: It could be. And, and we'll touch on the defense in just a minute to, to wrap it up. But a couple of questions here. Cosmo, first of all, is there any way I can listen to this live on Spotify, like a podcast, not live Cosmo, but we are, this will be on the war chant podcast feed. So search war chant on Spotify, or uh, your Apple Podcast, or anywhere you get them, you'll see this in that feed. There'll be also some seminal headlines in that feed tomorrow, as that tomorrow goes to live from one to three p.m. But this will be there by uh, the morning. So thank you, Cosmo, for that question. Anybody else out there? These live shows make it to podcast form, and then the relentless Buffalo Tom asking coaches contracts. We we can't produce them uh, at the rate uh, that we want to trust us. We want to produce these things, but go ahead. I
1: do, I do have a little bit of news for Tom. appreciate it. Um. Yeah. So, and I, I'm sure you saw, I posted on the board the other day that uh, Adam Fuller was not out of contract. Uh, he did have his contract renewed at, at some point last year, early in January, 2022. That's why it did not expire at the end of last season. He has one more year on that contract goes to the end of this year, but uh, I do believe we're going to get some new contracts for the coaches after their 10-win season. I think you're going to see a lot of new uh, contracts roll out here pretty soon. Uh, I've got a heads up that they're going to be coming soon. I would expect maybe this week. I thought maybe they would have come last week. Um, but I think you're going to see some some raises, raises all around, raises all around and and some extensions for these assistant coaches after a 10-win season.
0: Hey, we covered a 10-win season. I can't wait to see your raise, my raise. <laughs> right. The FOIA will be amazing from the War Chant Working at contract department. So, Ira, uh, fa- final thoughts here on the defense. I'm actually interested in the defensive back room because I think if a couple of guys get healthy, that becomes a compelling position battle at both corner and safety because they can move guys around in this defense. They've not been afraid to do that before. But in theory, with Akeem Dent return, you got him and Shaheem at safety. You might want some more help there for somebody who can come down closer yeah. to the line of scrimmage, or maybe that is Shaheem. But then a corner, you got – Cypress, which is now from Virginia to Tallahassee, playing for Florida State, along with somebody who's going to be healthier in Kevin Knowles, Reynardo Green, who was your best corner last year, Greedy Vance, who had a nice second half to the season, Jarion Jones, who had a nice second half to the season. Did I say Omari and Cooper yet? I mean, nope. this, this is, and you got Azaria Thomas. This, is, yeah, there, there's great. a lot of guys that, you know, we don't like the defensive back group relative to the other position groups. But they've got a lot of options, a lot of options going into spring camp. And I'm sure I'm skipping over quite a few.
1: No, you're right, man. They do. It's funny that you said Azari at the very end yeah, um, because he may be the most talented of all of them. But Fentrell Cypress was a legit – and by the way, just clarify, a lot of people were calling him Deuce and Fentrell coming out of Virginia. Uh, We asked him the other day, and he said he goes – everybody calls him Fentrell. So that's what we go by. Um, But he is – you know. I mean, he's a really good player. And you'd say probably right now on, on paper, odds on favorite to win that job. But and Jones, I thought, played really well uh, last year as he came on. Ronardo is their most consistent guy over the course of the season. Now, what I'm interested in, Shaheem's the guy that I just have so much like I'm so much of my focus is gonna be on Shaheem because I've loved that kid since the first day I saw him at, at practice. I mean, I just I just was like, dude, that guy's gonna be a baller. And remember we did the I did the interview with his high school coach at the time That's just because I was so impressed by him and he was making all those plays in preseason. And then he really didn't play redshirted that year. And then last year he kind of got in, he became the first safety off the bench. He passed uh, a senior, Jarquez McClellan, and became the first safety off the bench. And, you know, basically started uh, a couple of games late in the season when Akeem Dent wasn't healthy. And um, I think the world of him, but I'm a little bit nervous for him because like now is finally his chance. Like we've been, Shaheem, you and I have been waiting for this moment for two years can he come through? I feel like it's one of my kids going up to bat and t ball. So let uh, go of the bicycle seat. He's got a pedal <laughs> on his own, Ira. He's got a pedal on his own. I just because I, my concern is that yeah, you could move Renardo back to safety, or you could move yeah. one of these other guys. So that's so I want to see how that plays out. But dude, I think I think Shaheem's an NFL guy. Uh, I think Akim's going to you know have he's going to have to fight to keep his job. I mean, it's not a guarantee. They're they've got a lot of dudes um, in that in that defensive backfield, but. But it's hard to say that that's you feel great about that position because we don't know how it's all going to shake out, right? I mean, you, you're not yeah. going to go into the spring super confident about that position, even though you like a lot of the potential.
0: No, I, I, I would totally agree. I like a lot of the potential, but Jamie Robinson's second half specifically to the season looked yes. like the previous year, and that was different. And when you lose that, I mean, that's where hunting in the portal for another linebacker, I know we got another question on that. I would do so, you know. Even because sometimes guys are are just kind of tweeners, and if you've got a more athletic and quick twitch linebacker, he can serve in the role that Jamie was playing in in some downs and sets. It's going to be interesting to watch, though. They've got a lot of potential. Uh, I think they can be good at a couple of positions, like outside corner. I think gets a lot better this year. One particular facet that drives me nuts. We've talked about guys we liked, guys we root for, like our children or our younger brothers. Rodney Hill is in that uh, class for me. Ira but these blitzes that the defensive backs and they can't take 10 million years to, get to the quarterback, they, they start from a 30 yard cushion. I mean, what th- these have to get home quicker, Ira, please, please. Can we do that one thing in 23?
1: What's weird is it, it's not like it never happens. So right. like when it does happen occasionally, you yeah. it's like, like Corey and I'll be sitting in the press box. Whoa. Did you just see that? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. yeah. And, and so you, I mean, I guess that's, it almost makes it more frustrating because you know, it can happen. Yes. Like it's, it is possible. Um, yeah. It's you'd almost like, to think, like
0: before the snap, they're like, Oh crap, I got a blitz. You know, I, that's how far
1: out of position they are. I think it's more of a, just trying to disguise it to the, too long. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if they think they're playing NFL quarterbacks. They're like, they can't give it away. They've got to, I don't know. I just think that yes, I'm with you though. They need to they need to come a little bit quicker. Um
0: yeah, I, get what you're I, doing. I I don't f I get what you're trying to do, but right. Jesus, I mean that, that 10, ten
1: yards. <laughs> oh, I wonder if they also may blitz less next year. They blitzed a lot this year. I kind of wonder if they'll blitz less if, if that defensive line is what we think it could be, maybe you don't have to blitz as much. Maybe you know, maybe that helps those guys. Um, you know, the, but you talked about when you mentioned the the comment you made about maybe having somebody a little twitchier at linebacker. Not that Kalen Deloach certainly is, yeah. um, but but if you – that's what Shaheen kind of gives you at safety, though. The play against Oklahoma, yes. you know, with the game on the line, he's not in position to make that play and stop him short of the first down, but he he's so long and athletic, you know. he can, So now you're starting to get some more of those guys. You're starting to get more of those guys that can – that can uh, erase some mistakes.
0: You don't have to convince me on Shaheem. I think he's a good player, too. (laughs) Shaheem,
1: this is our year. (laughs) This is our year, Shaheem.
0: Uh, Uh, One of the interesting prospects at defensive end, uh, Gilbert Edmond. You know, we've talked a lot about defensive front, but he's the first guy up tomorrow uh, to talk to the media. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time out here in Tallahassee, followed by Vandravius Jacobs, uh, somebody that Michael Langston was very high on from the high school ranks, tight end Kyle Morlock and then linebacker DeMarco Ward. That's the rundown for Tuesday, 11 to noon. We get four players tomorrow. You'll see every one of those interviews, every question and answer here on Warchant TV. That's coming up in the morning. Of course, Wake Up Warchant will have you covered. We'll have a live show at 1 o'clock with seminal Headlines tomorrow. So we're loaded up on a Tuesday. There's going to be a lot of content here coming up. Also on the website, more position previews. They've already mowed through the offense. And here's the great thing about going to Warchant.com and reading a position preview. If you've come late to the party, there's links for all the previous articles. So you can rifle through all those bad boys if you just want to ignore your job. That's what we help you do at Warchant.com and WarchantTV. And just to note, on Thursday as well this week, Braden Fisk is the first guy up at 1030. Keandre Jones, the offensive lineman that Ira loves from Auburn at 1045. Quindarius Jones, a true freshman at 11 a.m., and then another Jones. Three Joneses on Thursday. I just realized that. Defensive lineman Jaden Jones, the transfer from Community College, Hutchinson in Kansas, he was the one who had the injury issue that he'll be recovering from. Ira, what else do we need to promote on this here fine channel and website over the next couple of days?
1: Huge basketball game tomorrow night, so we'll uh, actually have uh, coverage of that. Um, Plenty of coverage of that. Also, um, I'll have an advance on that. Corey's writing a story about KJ Kirkland catching up. The last of the guys that we talked to last week, he'll have that uh, up on the website either tonight or tomorrow. And then uh, also some video for the, for the war chant TV uh, subscribers. Also we've got a couple more videos coming, right? You there's a hot topics yep. video that's coming up. Talking what was about, the hot topic?
0: The hot topic this week was uh, the difference between national champion and uh, playoff contender. And is Florida state actually a national championship contender? Our own Jeff Cameron, Corey Clark and the founder and administrator, Gene Williams discussed that at length. So that will be available to everybody on wednesday we've also got a a bunch of other video features that we're rolling out brand new fun stuff in the off season uh we're setting the tone in 2023 this could be a big year and you all feel it right now to the nearly 300 of you that are watching monday smash thank you for stopping in hit that like button underneath the video and subscribe to our channel and after we're done here go check out the channel there's a ton of great content for you to consume so that's the rundown on TV here, on YouTube and Warchant TV, on the site warchant.com. Subscribe to warchant.com if you haven't already. We got you covered. This is a fun fun time of year. Basketball going for 10 in a row tomorrow night, and we are on the precipice of one of the most important spring camps for FSU football in the last 10 years. That's what we got coming up. So, uh, good night everybody. There's the segue. Uh, as I'm about <laughs> to be- I I had a belch coming, Ira. <laughs> that would have been a great <laughs> way to sign
1: off. A, a, wi- a red wine belch. A little red wine are, Red wine belch is a little classier than the Bud Light belch. UB40
0: would have appreciated that uh, red, red <laughs> wine belch, that's for sure. He's Ira. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you next time on War Chant TV. Good night.